Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, November 29th, and this is your FT News Briefing. US election campaigns are using apps to access your phone contacts in a new strategy to win more votes. OECD data shows the EU is hardest hit by the global trade slowdown, and why airlines are cashing in on premium economy seats. Plus, the FT's Edward White explains why South Korean victims of forced labour are under pressure to drop their claims for reparations. I'm Persis Love, and here's the news you need to start your day. It's not just your vote politicians are after anymore. They want your phone contacts too. With a year to go until the next US presidential election, a new type of app could be instrumental to campaigns on both sides of the aisle. So-called relational organising apps function by gaining access to the phone contacts of consenting supporters, then cross-referencing them against databases to identify potential voters. Once a potential target has been identified, the app will encourage the supporter to send them tailored messages based on what the campaign knows about them. The America First app used in the 2016 Trump campaign was the first of this type of technology. Now, the strategy is being developed by both Democrats and Republicans. The technique has already proven to be far more effective than other campaign methods, yielding an average increased turnout of 2.8 percentage points, a study by the Analyst Institute found. The study also found that contact from friends was twice as likely to have an effect as contact from strangers. The global trade slowdown is hitting the European Union harder than other regions, new data from the OECD shows. Uncertainty over Brexit and Germany's industrial downturn are adding to disruption caused by US-China trade tensions. The figures from the Paris-based organisation show EU exports fell 1.8% in the third quarter compared with the previous three-month period, while imports fell 0.4%. Poor trade performance is a particular drag on growth in Europe, as many EU economies are relatively open, relying heavily on trade. In Germany, trade is equivalent to 87% of GDP, compared with just 27% for the US. Airlines are rushing to bolster their premium economy class on long-haul flights, as the seats overtake business as the most profitable at some of the world's top carriers. A premium economy cabin typically offers wider seats with more legroom, along with some added perks like a welcome drink, a larger TV and a slightly more upmarket meal. All this for just 80% more than the price of an economy seat, but at relatively little cost to the carrier itself. German airline Lufthansa has even dropped first class on certain flights, as their premium economy cabin became the most profitable on some routes. Demand for premium economy has increased partly in response to the growing gap between a cramped economy class and an increasingly luxurious business class. Others believe that the 2008 financial crisis had a role to play, as premium economy provides a more cost-efficient option for businesses wishing to save on travel expenditures. For the airline, revenues per square metre are 6% higher than business class and 33% higher than economy class. And here's a story you should know more about. South Koreans who were forced to work as slaves for Japanese companies during the Second World War are under pressure to drop their claims for reparations. About a year ago, 
South Korean courts ruled in favour of the victims. But since then, Tokyo and Seoul have been locked in a bitter dispute over the matter, which has disrupted trade and the global supply chain. The FT's Edward White spoke to me from Seoul about the history of the tensions and how Seoul is proposing to resolve it. So you have a situation in Korea where you have basically unhealed scars dating back to Japan's colonial rule over the Korean peninsula. That's from the 1910-20s up until the Second World War. And you have people both from women who were forced into sex slavery and men who were forced to work for the Japanese military and companies. They feel that their treatment during that period has never properly been resolved or they've never really had any sort of justice for what they went through. And so last year, the Supreme Court in Korea ruled that a group of people who had taken individual claims against Japanese companies, courts ruled that those people could actually make individual claims That overturned decades where Korean people were unable to sue the Japanese companies directly. From the Japanese side, they had basically washed their hands of this issue. There was a treaty in 1965 whereby the Japanese and the Koreans agreed that all these issues were resolved and that no more claims could be made. And so that court decision last year created a new precedent which would potentially open up hundreds or even thousands of future claims. And what impact has it had on Japan-South Korea relations? Well, that decision sparked a series of events that we've been observing this year. The first thing that happened was a call for arbitration. The Japanese felt that the treaty had been broken. South Korea decided not to go ahead with arbitration. Japan then escalated the situation into the economic sphere. They put in a series of export controls on goods that are really critical to the South Korean economy. So that's equipment, materials that are used by South Korea's computer chip makers. Now, that move raised economic fears in South Korea. It also created concerns in the global supply chain. Now, in response to those measures, the South Korean side took things into the military and security sphere. They threatened back in August to ditch an intelligence-sharing pact with Japan. So what measures are South Korean political groups taking now? Well, so just in the past week, we've seen a slight shift in the mood in Seoul where groups not necessarily tied exactly to the government, so Moon Jae-in's the South Korean president, and this is not his staff, but politicians, members of the National Assembly, including the Speaker of the National Assembly, they have started reaching out to the victims and saying to them that they could set up a fund, that fund might have money fed into it by Japanese companies, South Korean companies, some public institutions as well, and even individuals, and that reparations could be paid out of that fund directly to the victims. So do you think these closed-door meetings could help resolve the dispute? It's really not clear at this stage. There's a few things going on. So on the one hand, this move might be a way in which the Korean side can help the victims move towards withdrawing their claims. But at the same time, it's a very tight line for the government here in Seoul. Moon Jae-in, the president, has stressed over and over again that he would not intervene in the court process. At the same time, if these claims against Japanese companies are put into action and the courts start to require the seizure of Japanese company assets, Tokyo has said that they would escalate the situation again and that they would be forced into a situation to respond which may then set off another series of sort of tit-for-tat escalations, which no one in Seoul nor Tokyo wants to see. 
but the victims themselves, they've been fighting this issue for decades now. And so their response to these overtures from South Korean politicians has not been overwhelmingly positive. The people who have been fighting this issue for a long time, they're starting to say that they would definitely feel let down by the government if, in this instance, like so many times before, their claims against Japan were ultimately washed away and that the government didn't stand by them despite those earlier promises from the Moon administration that they would back them up. You can read more on all these stories at ft.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing today was produced by Persis Love with help from Fiona Simon and Cheryl Bromley. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. 